At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Welcome to Real Wealth, Real Health, the show that empowers you with insights, information, and inspiration to achieve your version of financial wellness. Learn how to balance living a full life today with planning for the future. This podcast is brought to you by Alpha Investing, a real estate-centric private capital network that provides exclusive investment opportunities to its members. And now, here are your hosts, Ada Piedrico and Daniel Coca. Hello, welcome back to another episode of Real Wealth, Real Health. Our guest today is Damon Damore. Damon has spent more than 20 years working directly with C-suite leaders in Fortune 500 firms. His work focuses on psychological performance and storytelling to gain stakeholder advocacy. Damon speaks internationally on legacy, personal development, resilience, mindset, and applying the lessons of entrepreneurship to corporate environments. Half of Damon's clients are female leaders in the C-suite. In our conversation, Damon and I explore a variety of concepts that he uses in his work, and we apply those concepts to the way that we, as investors, make decisions, as well as the way we, as humans, make decisions living in an increasingly complex society. From risk to intention to stakeholders and to finding our center in times of uncertainty, Damon offers a unique perspective on making peace with the shadow side of ourselves and of the world. This is empowering because it offers us a way to be both optimistic and pragmatic by understanding our mindset and shaping our outlook. We become the certainty we seek in uncertain times, and in this, we find strength confidence, compassion, and even levity as we all navigate our own hero's journey. Damon, welcome to the podcast. So good to see you. Yeah, so good to see you too. You've been a guest on like multiple various iterations of like my past lives of podcasts and such things, but but I actually was really excited to have you have you come on and talk on Real Wealth Real Health today because um it's really focused around this idea of how to build wealth and how to think about wealth building and, and, and overall in life. And I feel like you're one of the most well-rounded people that I know when it comes to the way to think about not just like wealth building, but you are in performance. Like you are in like the C-suite, like you're doing this work that, that just encompasses so many different ways of thinking. And you recently published this article on LinkedIn that was about pragmatism and optimism. And I thought I got to talk to Damon about this subject and me a little more specifically how it relates to investing. Awesome. I can't wait. Let's just dive in. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I mean, your, your background is incredible and I gave a little, a little bio here in the intro, but just for just like really quickly, like you, you have this incredible career history. So can you just like recap it really quick? So people know like who we're talking to. 
Sure. At a high level, started my career off on Wall Street when I was still going to college at night at 21, initially on the institutional brokerage side for Cantor Fitzgerald, but then building trading businesses for them and trading platforms in New York and London, working with the C-suite before I turned 22. So getting a really early glimpse into how a C-suite executive at that level thinks about opportunities, threats, how they want to be spoken to, how they communicate to others versus the highest executives below them that I work with in the, the firm. And from Wall Street, I transitioned into Hollywood. I produced a lot of business-related content, high-profile shows like The Apprentice and Undercover Boss, where I was exposed to hundreds of C-suite executives at top companies and built a lot of friendships and business relationships because I understood business. I wasn't just a Hollywood producer. After that, when I met you, I did a lot of different things. I had a small venture capital fund. I had a, a, a lead generation platform for equity crowdfunding where we met. And then in 2016, I started coaching some of the undercover boss CEOs around areas of performance and resilience and mindset, and specifically what I call storytelling for stakeholders, because I've been telling stories in documentary, nonfiction, reality formats for years, it just made sense in the business environment. So that's what I do now. I work with C-suite executives. The majority of my clients are women on areas of performance, mindset, resilience, how to tell their story to gain advocacy. And I do that through various filters. Yeah. And you work with some, like, I mean, you can't talk about who you work with, but like, I love the fact that you kind of ended up doing all this work with women, because when you were working with me, like when you coached me, it was so helpful for me to have your perspective on ways that I literally was holding myself back by not thinking I wasn't thinking in the, in the right way. And to me, so much of like my own evolution is always about looking at how I'm thinking about myself. And I'm like the only person standing in my own way ever, but I can't always see that. And so having that perspective from you really helped me understand in those moments where I was thinking it's me and you would say, no, it's them. Yeah. And that was so important for me <laughs> because I mean, honestly, you know, this too, with, with like, with women is we tend to come from this perspective of it's my fault. Yeah. It's me, not them. And men don't really have that perspective necessarily, I think, or what do you think in your experience? Well, look, one of my favorite warm, fuzzy moments in my new career has been when we started working together and you had that resistance and we kind of had like a blowout fight at that bread shop in Culver City. And we had like an email battle when you were back on your plane, but then when you got off and you were like, actually, I think I'm looking at this the wrong way. Let's, let's give this a shot. And when you were finally like, yes, like open up your perspective and your willingness to look at this through a different filter. I was like, this is what it's all about. This is great. And then you got so optimistic and warm and fuzzy and publish your book. You like did all this amazing yeah, stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, I always tell people, and you know this because you do a lot of storytelling work also, but in the most basic terms and not so much men and women, but masculine and feminine, yeah. Hero's Journey is about going out and slaying some external dragon and bringing your treasure back to share with other people. But for women, it's all about their internal struggles, how the dependent world sees them, how they reconcile that, how they decide to take ownership of themselves and put themselves first, because a lot of women, even in a positive way, are told from a young age that you're a caretaker, you're supposed to take care of other people. Yeah. And that translates all the way up into the C-suite. Well, I got to put my team before me. It's like, no, if you're in a plane that was going down and the masks drop, you're supposed to put yours on first so you can save your team members. Yeah. So 
Yeah, like I totally agree with that. And it, it's, it's hard. Like I, I wrote in that piece, you know, there's this primal instinct to have a, an aversion towards things that are uncomfortable, things that are dangerous, things that could Im impede our progress. And you just have to overcome that. And willingly, I saw Jordan Peterson speak last night in Salt Lake, you know, and I can't tell you how many times he talked about from questions and answers of the crowd from children who were ill to applying to grad school to marriage problems. He's like, it's always worse if you don't embrace the darkness and like go into that fog, you know, and it's the same thing with, with everything that we're talking about. Yeah. Do you, do you think like from that perspective of, of darkness, because I feel like maybe over the past couple of years with COVID too, is it, is that there's an aversion to it more than ever because we're ready to go outside. We're ready to, you know, kind of be free. And we've maybe like felt, felt that way. You know, what, what are you seeing out there? Because from a, from a behavioral perspective, I always think of myself a little bit like, like a cultural anthropologist. Like I'm really curious about behavior and how it impacts our lives. Like, like, what are your thoughts on that? Like this, this idea of like embracing that, that part of us to grow. Well, what I see is actually troubling. I'm not going to get political at all, but there's a lot of stuff going on in the world right now. And when I touch base with friends, because I left LA after 21 years, now everybody's over Zoom. So what do you think about what's going on in Ukraine? Or what do you think about this? And they're like, oh, it's so depressing. I don't watch the news anymore. Mm. And there's this, there's this complete, you know, detachment from anything that's uncomfortable because yeah, now they want to go to a concert. They want to go to a park. They want to get on a plane and go on vacation. And it's troubling because in the, in the news era, which we can talk about, you know, stakes are going up, room for error is going down and the complexities and challenges are coming faster and they're, they're at a higher intensity and people need to learn to, that doesn't mean you have to live your life in some miserable, you know, nihilistic worldview, yeah. but you need to realize this point of the article, like things are going to go wrong. The sky's going to fall at some yeah. point. It always yeah. does. And I feel like there's this tendency. I even had somebody recently, one of my clients who had an amazing opportunity put in front of them in the C-suite, handed down to them from the board. And they looked at it from all the negative, like, oh man, these are all the drawbacks. And I had to pull them back to that 30,000 foot view of their own story. It's like, where are you trying to go in your career? And what impact are you trying to make? Don't you see that this is a logical progression? Like, yeah, you got to do a bunch of hard shit in the middle. It's not going to be easy. And then got an email. Oh my God, I was almost crying. You're so right. Like, thanks for, thanks for resetting my perspective. And this is everything that I said I wanted two years ago. But when you're in the weeds, you can't see the forest. Yeah. For the trees, you know? Yeah. I think people, and you probably see that a lot in the work that you do too. I mean... Yeah, I mean, people get I, caught up in these these investment ideas, like we were talking about before we started, and it's like, really, like you're 26, you're able, you're managed to save six figures, and that's yeah. what you're going to do with it. Like, do you think yeah. that that's the best way to own a house when you're 30? Probably not. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we were talking a little bit about what's going on with with like with crypto, and there's there's almost so. Here's the thing. Obviously, like I'm we you know real estate primarily this is what I do. I spend a lot of time in the crypto side because I'm interested in it. I think it's so fascinating. I think it's like when I got into crowdfunding, it's like, this is the future, something's going on. And I'm fascinated by the behavior. There's a level of risk taking there that's, oh, it's antithetical to what we do in real estate at Alpha or what I do you know, primarily as, as an investor. I mean, most of my portfolio is in real estate. It's in like hard assets because that is like, feels safer to me. But there's this like, there's this undue risk-taking and optimism and also a like a deep misunderstanding of what it is. And 
I find it really dangerous for those people because I've also seen stories of, of very young people who've leveraged what little they had thinking that, you know, X coin was going to double, triple 100%, which can happen in, in crypto. And then they lose it all. And then they don't understand. And it's very antithetical to real estate where it, there's great returns, but there's risk adjusted returns and you, and you do your due diligence. It just, it doesn't exist over here for some people. And I'm, and I'm worried about that. I'm worried about those people. There's also to your earlier point, like, you know, people don't want to embrace negative, challenging, potentially scary mm -hmm. things. But there's also this chasing a high to have some big win so mm -hmm. that the they know the next shoe is going to drop at some point because they just went through the worst crisis of their life. So it's like, oh, man, if I can bet it all on red and if red comes through, then I can just leave the market and like have my money. But yeah. trees don't grow to the sky. Who says red's going to hit every time? You know, that's the, yeah. that, that's the issue. And I'm not, I'm not a wealth manager. I'm, I don't know allocation anything. But yeah, if I was a young person and I had $100,000 in savings, maybe if I was taking 10 grand to a bachelor party to Vegas, that's what I would blow on some NFT thing. Right. But I'm not going to you know, put it all in there. And I yeah. see people that I know constantly doubling down and doubling down. And it's like, you, see, you have a trading rule. You take half your, half your profits, you leave the other half riding until it starts to go south or whatever. But now it's just double down, double down, double down. Yeah. And, and it comes from a scarcity mindset, you know, and one of the ways that you need to overcome that scarcity mindset is what I believe is having a pragmatic optimist mindset in that I realize things are going to go wrong, but it's going to be okay because I have experience in dealing with really uncomfortable things, you know, so that doesn't mean shun risk. You need to take risk, obviously, but yeah, but I would love to talk about that because it is like this, this idea of, of risk, I think is also maybe culturally misunderstood sometimes and people have different approaches like to risk or what risk taking means. So when you think about risk, like what, how do you define risk? Maybe like across different things, like whether it's investing or, or other, other avenues. Well, you know me, my story, I have a high tolerance for ambiguity and risk in my, <laughs> in my life. So I think of risk as opportunity, but I think of the actual risk, if it was on a chart somewhere as the the potential maximum gain for reaching a goal or my goal that has a greater than normal chance of not happening of failing right mm -hmm. so even if that's 51 49 there's a, there's a better chance than not that this is going to work out but if i dig into my history and my resources and my tools and my mindset and my resilience i can probably make that, I can bridge that gap, you know, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. I was telling somebody the other day in an interview that it's my greatest weakness and my greatest strength is that ability, like as a Jersey Italian tourist who grew up in the seventies, to just keep banging my head until I get through the wall. And that's worked in a lot of business things, um, but it's not great for marriages, right? So it's like, it doesn't apply across the board. So I think that in, when I think of risk, I say, wow, that's an opportunity how big is the risk? Like, what is that gap? Is it is it 85% chance of failure or 51% chance of failure? And where yeah. does that risk that I'm taking for that goal apply to my roadmap for my life of where I want to be, right? Is it, is it one of three goals? And is it worth taking that higher risk now? I probably don't want to take it when I'm right before the third final one. So yeah, I mean, there's probably a different definition of risk than your actual investment people have, but... 
Well, I mean, I think it's it's important because everybody I I want people to hear that in a way because like that is a, that kind of is the way that we might think about in investing is that what is the chance of it going right? Like like this like let's like knocking a project out of the park versus what is the chance of it being a complete loss? And and most of the time if there's like a chance of it being a complete loss, it doesn't matter how big the upside is. Yeah at least not in what we do has like zero. If there's enough of a chance of it being a complete loss or any chance, we're not going to take that risk. I, I mean, you just, because of this, like where we sit is like, that's irresponsible for us in, in our role, but somebody else might take it because that's like, they're willing to take the bet on the upside and they're okay with a total, with a total loss. But that's a really important thing. I think for people to, to hear and think about, because not, I don't think everybody knows that to, to think about like total loss versus you know, potential infinite upside. I mean, that's like, you know, buying a raffle, a 50, 50 raffle at the football game. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and honestly, if you, I say this, like if you decided that you wanted to buy a lottery ticket, great. Sometimes it's appropriate to buy a lottery ticket, but not with your business, not with your life, not with your relationship, yeah. like all those things, you know, it's, uh, it's difficult. And, and, what, and what's motivating you to say, I'm willing to take that risk. Is it your ego? Is it your, is it some scarcity of mindset? Is it some other personal deep personality trait or flaw possibly? Like, why are you like my whole job on wall street for five years, I was chasing this idea that I could prove to my dad who made a lot of money on wall street, left us, did a whole bunch of horrible stuff that, Hey, I can make more than you did. I could get married at the same age you did. I could hold it all together. I could be a great dad, be a great husband, be a great trader. And at some point you're under this house of cards and you just open this big pile of Tinder and like one flame, the whole thing falls. If you're doing it for the wrong reason. So it's different than people I know who I worked with who still today are still working on Wall Street 30 years later because they love what they do and they're doing it for the right reasons. So I think that also plays into like, why are you taking the risk? Why is it important to take this risk at this time for this potential outcome. Yeah. It sounds like it's like, what's your intention yeah. to you, right? Like that yeah. kind of like the Simon Sinek, I suppose too, like what's your why and like, what's your, what's the intention behind it? And I think that's a really important thing for, for anyone going into like anything, but like, especially investing, like what's the intention and the goal, but they're two different things to me. It's like the intention is one thing. It can it, the the goal might be able to define points around around what you're doing, but if you don't have a really clear intention, the goal is going to be meaningless, or it'll be the wrong. It'll be the wrong goal. Yeah, and a lot of people's goals have changed over the last two years. Whether it's right. you know they don't want to live in a big city, they don't want to work behind a desk, they want to be remote. Like what they the left relationships they thought were that they could leave. So all those whys are changing, and it's a scary place when you're a rational, mature adult and you don't understand or know your why. Like I've had two moments in my life where I didn't understand, I didn't know what I really wanted, and spinning around on that wheel and just being unhappy, it's horrible for people who by nature need to be a shark moving up. Like I need to be moving towards a goal. Yeah. And when every day I'm waking up, going to a job that I don't like anymore, but it pays me well. And I have, you know, a, a new wife who loves me, but I don't really understand like why I'm not enjoying it. Like it's because I'm not working towards anything. 
So you need to figure out that why, and whether you watch a Simon Sinek YouTube video or work with a coach or do whatever, you need to figure out what that is. And, you know, essentialism, which I'm a big fan of Greg McCowan, they call it your essential intent. And it's always measuring, like, if you're unhappy, okay, what's making you unhappy? Is the thing that you're doing that has a consequence of your unhappiness? Does that align with your essential intent and your values? And if not, you're doing the wrong thing in the first place, you know? So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think we're all in a situation right now and, you know, as we're recording this and it'll get published and the, like the war in the Ukraine is, is still happening and it's coming off the back of the pandemic. It's coming off the back of record-breaking inflation. It's coming off the back of like, it feels like we're, it like we, there's no respite. No. to the uncertainty to, and especially in, in economics, like whether we see it or not yet, we have not even begun to see the consequences of basically canceling Russia or the West pulling out of these like energy agreements. Like we, we don't even know how this is going to affect us. And like, as investors, like maybe like those who follow macro a lot, like it's important to think about it. Like, are we in a commodity super cycle? Like there's so much uncertainty. I know a woman who she's an energy trader and she was saying she's, you know, I caught up with her really quick and she said like, this is not a black swan anybody saw coming. I know you never see black swans coming, but like, it's like, what, what is going, like, what is going on right now? And I, I feel too, that like, there's this exhaustion and I'm just going to say this, maybe some people like go off into these like crazy, like penny stock land or crypto land or NFT land, because it's a form of distraction of like, oh, maybe if I win, then I'll feel better. And, and I don't have to like kind of be in the reality of what feels like a barrage of nonstop bad news. It's a, it's exhausting and B it sounds so trite or like, it sounds ridiculous, but when I say embrace difficult things or embrace the chaos it's easy to say it's really hard to do you know like i had a breakdown in 2020 after i had covid lost my business like everything was the burning down buildings three blocks from my house and i was like a really really strong person and at some point like i just broke like i cried every day ate a pint of ben and jerry's ice cream on the couch watching the news and after about 10 days of it i took a look from a 30,000 foot I was like, dude, you're going to survive this. So then like, how do you want to come out of it? And I put this meme on Instagram and it was like, you're going to come out of this one of two ways. Either looking like the the dad from family guy, some fat bloated (laughs) triple chin dude, or you're going to be like, like chiseled and healthy and like drinking a, a green juice. And I made a decision, you know, and go from there, but it's really hard to embrace it every day, but you need to, you need to realize that the, the probability is that you're going to survive this. So what do you want? your life, your investment portfolio, your thesis, your mindset, your attitude towards investing, your attitude towards money to be, when in two, three, five years, however long this takes to, to get some reset in the economy, do you want to be one of the healthy ones, you know, or do you want to just run around? Like so some of the CEOs I interviewed for the book, what did your competitors get wrong? They had a COVID playbook and now that it's winding down, they're going back with their old playbook and they don't realize that the world has changed completely. You know, so it's, it's along those same lines. Yeah. And, and it provides emotional relief. It provides inspiration for all your stakeholders, whether it's your family or your investors, whoever that might be. Yeah. It's, it's all about telling the truth to yourself too. You know, it's a big part of the article. Like a lot of people lie to themselves and not big, big lies, but a series of little lies. You know, it'll be okay. You make compromises with yourself. Oh, well, you know, I, I won't sell that stock today. Maybe I'll sell yeah. it next week. It's like, what are you doing? You know, like mm-hmm. it, it, 
it's, it's, it's one of my favorite Jordan Peterson principles you mentioned last night. Treat yourself as if you were someone that you were tasked to take care of. Like most people don't treat themselves, their own investment portfolios, as if they were managing somebody else's money who really needed it. Like, yeah. like ima- imagine you're managing money for somebody who needs to retire in whatever your time frame is, or they're going to, you know, die in a trailer park somewhere, you know? Yeah, it's like you're your own client, like even just from an investment perspective. It's really interesting to think about it that way because it's outside accountability. And if you take yourself out of the equation, then then you do you do think about it differently. Like I have a responsibility around this and like and like who who I'm doing it for, even if it is just you know, even if it is just for yourself, like I think taking that perspective is really is really important. Or like sometimes I think about what if I had to explain my decision to someone else? Yeah. Would I like, do I want to, you know, somebody was like, I need you to explain to me why you decided to invest in this versus like, you know, versus like something else or just why did you do this? Like if I don't have a very good reason for it, I put myself in that situation sometimes. And I think like, if I were to explain to someone else what I'm doing or why I'm doing it, am I you know, am I full of BS or am I, am I going to be able to make a practical case for it that at least sounds like I went through a good amount of logic and time and reasoning. And even if it goes wrong, right? Like I'm okay with the the things are going to go wrong. I'm not going to get every single investment, right? But I need to have the, the wherewithal to make it for the right decision for the right purpose. And yeah, if there's a small portion, which I think everybody does have, or like, as you know, financial professionals say, like you can have a small portion of like play money, <laughs> let that be your play money. Right. But maybe your play money isn't in an investment. Maybe like your, your play money is like, you actually do something for yourself. Like if I think about like how far down markets are right now <laughs> and, and like, and, and like, yeah, it's short term, but if I had taken, I'm just saying hypothetically, cause I, I, I get, this is not where I'm at currently, but had I put money in and it dropped like 40%, I'd be really angry because I could have had the option of taking that money and going on vacation. So yeah. there's like, there's also those trade-offs sometimes to, to me, at least when it comes to investing around, you know, the, the, why the, can I explain myself and to take a step back from it and also do something for myself too, that isn't always just in that realm of like all making more money and making more investments and, and doing all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, the most successful people that are constantly making trade-offs for today for some exponential gain and result in the future. Right. And also you talked about before it's uncomfortable to spill out your investment thesis you know, point by point, because you might think you're full of shit or whatever, but it's also scary for two reasons. One, you're telling somebody exactly what you want, and that gives them the ability to withhold it. Like say you're going to investors for some real estate deal. It's like, well, now they have, they have control over that. So do you really want to tell them like how important it is or why, how important it is? Yeah. You really need to, you got to treat yourself as if you're your highest stakeholder, but then you have to understand that your external stakeholders they're still stakeholders, but they have different stakes. You know, it's like I would talk to people back when I had Wayfounder and I'd be on panels or giving speeches and they'd say, you know, I don't understand why people aren't, aren't as my family, my employees aren't as excited as I am. I'm, I'm making the sacrifice 
you know, they say, you don't make any sacrifice. You wake up every day getting to do what you love. They're making a sacrifice because they don't wake up every day wanting to change the world with some real estate platform or make a better water bottle for water or whatever. Like there's a, but they have a different stake, you know, they want you to be successful so you can have a comfortable life together and raise a healthy, happy family and whatever, but this isn't their primary goal for what they're doing. So yeah, like, why are you doing what, why are you making the decisions you're making as an investor? If you think for a second, I might be off, you know, like, why is that? You know, and are you, are you doing what's best for yourself or your investors or are you chasing some other thing, you know? Yeah. And I guess if you're going to chase it, be okay with chasing it, it kind of like quote unquote, admit to chasing it. I was having this interaction on Twitter with, with somebody about, they, they posted something like if you invested in some certain NFT that, you know, that, that lost all its money, you, you deserve it. And I, and, and I was like, well, yeah, if you like, you, if you know what you're getting into, just be willing to admit it that I deserve to lose that money because that was not well-researched or I went into it with that intention. So like, it's also like just to be able to admit to yourself, like, this is why I'm doing this, or I want to take a gamble, or I want a hundred percent return on this thing. Like it's okay to say that and, it, yeah. and be okay with like, no, I didn't get it right. Like that one was like a total miss, but like, I think that's also a part of it is not having the shame of, of saying like, I did this because I, I was trying to hit like this massive giant, like random home run, but it didn't work out. But it's also, you know, if you, if you, if you take that risk, like I'm, I'm big on negative motivation, negative visualization, right? It's not for everybody, but I always tell people, okay, you have this goal that you want to work towards your investment goal, whatever it might be, your wealth goal, close your eyes and imagine that it doesn't work out. It, it fails horribly. You know, what are the consequences of that and how does it feel? But also the people that were depending on you to do that, your employees, your investors, whoever, how do they feel? And it's like, if the, if, if the weight of that feeling is still less than the reason that, like the willingness to take that risk, go take that risk, you know? But yeah. if it's not, you shouldn't. Because when I talk to some of my clients about using a small percentage of their time to impact legacy goals or whatever it might be, it's like, well, imagine in two years, you don't get that done. What's the consequence? Is it that bad? No, not really. Well, then it's not worth doing, man. Like you need to, it needs to be so overwhelmingly a win that you're willing to risk all that misery, walk of shame, Oh man, he's the guy that invested in Enron a week before the end, you know, like the inverse of Peter Schiff, whoever that would be. So yeah, I mean, and it all comes down to your own emotional intelligence and how honest you are with yourself and the motivations behind things and, and really being pragmatic about it. Like what is yeah. the actual landscape of what's going on right now? Does it matter that there's a war in Ukraine for this investment thesis? Maybe it doesn't, right? right. Uh, but if it does, you better get as much from a 360 view of every single angle of what's going on so you can make an informed decision, not just confirmation bias. Oh, I found one headline in Forbes that justifies my thesis. You're just lying to yourself and nothing good comes from that. Yeah. How hard is it? How hard is it to like constantly be policing yourself like this? Because I know I do it to myself. I live in this constant like babysitting of the ego and policing my thoughts and just like really being hyper, hyper aware. And that's exhausting in and of itself. But like how practical is it and or how important is it to, to, to get in the habit of doing that? It's very important. So I have next to my, my screen here, three 
like hardcore motivation things that I see all day long. But also in the morning after I meditate and do my breath work, I record my affirmations every year when I update them and I listen to them. So I'm telling myself what's important, why it's important, like why it's important to lean into whatever you're going to lean into that day, that it's going to be uncomfortable, but you're going to be okay. It's really important. Guy Ritchie did a great interview with Joe Rogan where he talked about this concept of owning your suit because you wear suits everywhere. And he's like, it's not about owning the clothing. It's owning why I'm allowed to wear this suit. And he says, most people don't hate the player, hate the game. He's like, no, love the game because you have to play the game every day. And once you get into that mindset that you put your arms around it and say, am I being truthful to myself? Am I living my values? Am I, am I minding my investment thesis? And Joe Rogan said, wow, that sounds like something you need to reiterate. And he said, daily. So whether that's your affirmations, whether that's your journaling at the end of the day, your review, talking, like I have a coach, love talking to my coach, whatever that is, there's a time in the day where you have to remember that there's a world out there trying to tell you who you are and it's okay to slack and it's okay to chase this NFT thing or crypto thing. And then there's your internal world and you need to reconcile those. And it's a constant, constant battle. Yeah, it, it is. I feel, I, uh, yeah, I feel like we've definitely been challenged with like a deep inner view of ourselves and our motivations and, and, and like, constantly challenged because every time I think it feels like, oh, like it's, we're coming out of something. There's like, there's something else. And I've come to the point now where it, we live in uncertain times and I'm not expecting that to change. I just don't see it changing and I'm okay. And I'm comfortable with it. And to me, if that's the, my baseline understanding of things out there, that there's uncertainty, then I can redirect my focus away from, oh my God, there's so much uncertainty out there too. Where can I find certainty? And that's in myself and how I respond to something or how I view something or how I evaluate something and the decisions that I decide to make, that's where I've landed with. So I don't have this expectation that, oh, some, something's we're going to get into this calm period. We might one day and that'll be fine, but I'm not going to operate in this, in this like hopefulness. I'm going to operate in the reality of today and be okay with it and find certainty in myself. Yeah. And that's what you literally have to do because you can't control that. Like I know people talk about stoicism and Ryan holiday and business and all this stuff, but Mm -hmm. the most basic three principles are you control your perceptions, how you're viewing the events, you control your reaction. And then the third thing is everything that you can't control, you just got to let it go, which is really hard for a lot of people. You know, it's harboring and, 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 and this, this not feeling in control, but it's important. And whether you're in a mastermind group or you're YPO or you have a, a coach or a spouse or whoever, you know, I have what I call my do not disappoint list. I've talked about this in a bunch of interviews and nobody who's on it knows they're on it. None of them are my family members, but they're people who I respect tremendously where if they heard through the grapevine one day, you know, I failed because I I didn't give it my best. I, I wasn't fully committed. I wasn't being true to who I am as they know me. Like, how would they feel? And it's just, it crushes me to think that I disappointed these people. It's like, oh, I gave Damon, not about money, but like emotional support and authority. And I gave him validation. And like, this is what he did with it, you know, because he was, because he was slacking or whatever. It's like, no, you get on your shit, man. Like, get up and go. Jordan Peterson's always, he's like, you're not everything you can be. And you know it. That's the most important thing. Like, you know that you can always 
improve. And Pat McNamara has a saying, kill your clone, which is basically if you were in a sci-fi movie and you wake up tomorrow and you're a clone of who you were today, are you a little bit stronger, a little bit faster, a little bit leaner, a little bit smarter that you could kill Damon from the 18th on the 19th? And it's like, you don't need big gains every day. They compound over time, as you know, but you need a time every morning, every day at the end of the day, some time to say, you know, where do I give myself scale of one to 10 today? How did I perform? True to myself, true to my investors, true to my employees, true to my whatever. And most days it's on a good day. It's like 80, 90%, right? Yeah. yeah you need to, you need to have that, that honesty and that, in that frame of mind that you can get people to check you and they'll be like, dude, that literally makes no sense. Like that's bullshit. What are you, what are you talking about? Like that's, you're avoiding the question. Of, yeah. It's like, okay, I really don't want to get into it, but and it's like, but that's where the, that's where the treasure is. Like diamonds aren't floating around at the top of some, you know, shallow lake. Yeah. You're just going to dig in the ground for them deep. And it's yeah. dangerous. And most people collapse in diamond mine. You know, back in the day, like, yeah, um, yeah. that treasure is, it, it has, a, everything has a cost and you're going to pay for it one way or another. So why don't you just get ahead of it and, you know, try to make some, some layaway payments on your own, you know, mm-hmm. like, like put in the effort, put in the, put in the discomfort, put in the struggle. And that way, when you do get the happy moments or the calm markets, you appreciate them more because you realize that it's just the clouds parting for the sunshine. Like you can't control when the happiness and the calm comes, but you can count on the storm. Like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. That's really, yeah. Uh, really well said. I think there's, there's a lot for, yeah, there's a lot there for everyone to take in and, and, and like really think about it. not just like you know, investing, but like, like everything that there's, we're so responsible also for, like you said, stakeholders, like my family's a stakeholder, my husband's a stakeholder, like all of these, like other stakeholders. And, and so having that, that's that inner stability by being willing to go in by being willing to like face those parts of ourselves. Like, you know, did I just, did I just throw that opportunity away? Did I just give up? Did I just, you know, did I, but that's, that's fine. But having that, that self-presence better overall when we are then in the presence of then our stakeholders. And realizing there's always work to do. Like you're not done at some point. Like I had to go back for a, my, my father was on life support a couple of weeks ago. I flew back and I went into this like hornet's nest of sibling rage and all this mm. other stuff. Everybody, everybody was like, wow, you're handling this so well. It's like, it's, I've done a lot of work to wait for this day and handle it well. It's been sick. But that doesn't mean I pat myself on my back. I'm like, I'm better than you. I'm more emotionally woke than you. It's like, wow, I don't, now I know when I get home and I crash, talk to my therapist, whatever, I got more work to do, but people will see it as strength. And when you are in that storm, when the market crashes, NFTs finally blow up, like whatever it is, they're going to look at you and say, I want to at least hear what that person has to say, because they know who they are, they've owned it, and they're, and, and they're comfortable with it. You know, one of my friends was in a, in a big, like right before COVID in some big, like black tie Wall Street fundraiser, uh, the Robin Hood dudes or whatever. And um, he called me after he's like, it's like, I met this guy in there and he knew exactly who he was, what his place was in the world. He was comfortable with it, what he was, what he wasn't. He's like, it reminded me of you, dude. Like you never, like you have your lane and like, that's it. And it's like, well, that's a compliment. Yeah. Like, do I strive to be better and more? Of course. But like, I'm not lying to myself about who I am or where I am, you know? And that's the same thing in the investment thesis. Like you can 
fake it till you make it for only so long. You need to start having real data points of support the story you're telling yourself in your head. You know this so that you can go and share your story with other people. And it's not just, wow, that's a great tell. It's like, oh my God, there's like 10 data points to support what it ought to be saying about why I should invest in your fund. Okay. Yeah. yeah that's that, that, that it's kind of like a, that's a very practical way of marrying that, that, the concept in your, in that article, that's part of your book, which is like the, the optimistic and the, and the pragmatic and set another way for those, those listening who are from the real estate side of things is like, you know, you have your marketing deck and then you have your due diligence. And it's, it's like, it's, it's the same thing in like, in like all of life at the end of the day, it's, it's just a different version of, of this pragmatic, optimistic, like, yes, you can hope for the hope for the best, but if your data points aren't there, then you're literally like, it's literally just hope. Like you, like you can have the optimism of wanting something to work out, but you also have to work for it. And you can't, you can't give away agency, your agency to look into things, to know yourself, to like know your counterparty, to like all of it, like that level of, of agency is always available to us. And the more comfortable you get with that honesty and that pragmatism, you will not walk out the door every day looking up, waiting for the sky to fall. You, you go yeah. about being productive and like you have a, a life and you you work and you you create value. But in the back of your head somewhere, you know, it's like, hey, there's a good chance, who knows what to say or whenever, but uh, like I get that. And when it happens, I have some, I have the mindset to get through it, and I've got some contingency plan. You can never have a 100% contingency plan, but it, it gives you this emotional relief and it makes you actually more optimistic that you know the sky is going to fall. It's not like you walk around like, you know, miserable and scared all the time. The people who walk around like that stop at that first sentence. The sky is going to fall. Oh my God, take out the money, put it in the mattress when the market's right. down 40%. No, that's not what we're saying, you know? And especially if you're young or middle-aged, it's going to happen over and over, yeah. you know, 2008, mm-hmm. whatever the next, the last one was and now. So, and I, and I love people I love who are permables like Josh Brown, these guys, I see him on CNBC. Ah, that bears nuts. Like the, there's all these, a hundred reasons fundamentally why the market should stay up. And then it's like, oh, wow, we're in a correction, maybe with a lower KC. And now it's like, what's going on? It's like, okay, you know, it's like, like, what's your mindset to withstand these ups and downs? Because if you can keep even keeled while the world around you is going up and down, you will be the light in the storm that everybody wants. You'll be the moth, you know, that everybody wants to be attracted to. And that's what you want more than ever, especially more than since when I met you, when it was starting to open up with reggae and you could advertise investments Mm. on Twitter and crazy stuff. It's like, there is so much competition for your mind share and your investment dollars. You know, at some point, once you get past the flashy, you know, this ROI or whatever, well, who am I investing in? Wow. That person yeah. seems like Jeremy Grantham's probably 90, but he talks and he's it's like, that dude's not scared of anything. He's seen the million ups and downs, you know, but you probably want to invest in some, you know, slick it's like TikTok fund manager instead. And people will, you'll make those, like, go make mistakes. You know, it's just, I don't know. Uh, Hopefully that's helpful to your audience. I don't know. Uh, the, I, I mean, I think this like gives so much, just so much to think about, mostly about ourselves mm-hmm. and our approach and this like that, that internal work of really understanding like who we are, what we want, where we're coming from, who, who our stakeholders are, because 
we're never in it alone either. There's like always someone else. And if there isn't anyone else then imagine there is, and then explain yourself to yourself huh. from an outside perspective. And that, that whole exercise alone out of our whole conversation is something that I'm going to take into my meditation tomorrow. Huh. And who are your future stakeholders? Say you're 25 and you're starting to invest. Like, hmm. do you really want, do you want to be married and have kids by the time you're 35? Like that's your thing. Well, you're going to have a family. Do you want to be able to buy them a house? Do you want to be able not to worry about where your kids have to go to private school or whatever? Like yeah. start making different investment decisions than somebody who's like, who knows if we'll get married at 35, you know, like current stakeholders, future stakeholders, really important exercise. And even though they'll change over time, you'll start to develop an emotional attachment in not wanting to disappoint those future people. You know, it's, 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 it's everything. It's therapy. It's like, yeah, whoever my wife 3.0 is for me, hopefully like, you know, there's things that I'm doing to myself since wife 2.0, that I'm trying to attract the kind of person who realizes like, okay, that's good as opposed to bad, you know? Yeah. So yeah. yeah. I love it. It's like investment mindset therapy that that should be your next corporate <laughs> coaching program. <laughs> Let's do it. You know, all the investment people will do it together. <laughs> love yeah. it. I love it. Well, okay. So there's one last question um, okay. before I let you go that I ask all my guests. And that is what does wealth mean to you? I actually have a tweet that I can send you from Fox <laughs> business, Melissa, somebody, they asked what, what wealth means to people. And I tweeted that being rich is having nice things and the live a lifestyle that you want, but wealth is generational. To me, wealth is impenetrable for whatever might happen while you're on, but before you turn to dirt, that's my definition of wealth. Yeah. Powerful. That, that's a new one. <laughs> Before you, you turn to dirt. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I have actually in my, my, in my daily planner, it says, be the best human you can be before you turn to dirt. Like, that's what I see every morning. It's like, come on. <laughs> that might be the title of this podcast episode. <laughs> no, because, because you know what? Nobody's ever not turned dirt. Like, you know, like yeah. it's going to happen. You're going to, you're going to have to go at some point, you know? So mm. be, be the best person you can be until that point, you know? And only good things will happen for that. This is true. I love that perspective. I love that perspective. Damon, thank you so much. This has been <laughs> this has been so much fun. I hope that, that people have like followed all the way through and like understand well our relationship and also yeah. just like how this has been a lot of fun to just take things from so many different angles yeah. and, and perspectives and um and and that's it, right? I think thinking about everything from a slightly different perspective is just such an important exercise to improving all our decision-making, like in, in whatever, whatever area of life. And I think that like all your coaching clients, all like your C-suite and all these people that you're coaching are just so fortunate to have you as a coach. And I know you're going to have a book dropping soon. So when you do let me know, um, for those. And I'll, we'll post a link to the article that we've been referencing this whole time because awesome. that's a chapter in your book, right? Or an excerpt. It's an excerpt from one of the chapters. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. mindset. Uh, no, this is great. I always like talking to you because I get to be more warm, fuzzy and optimistic. I can't just live in this dark, chaotic, <laughs> you know, malevolent cave of, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If Dan had been on and, and Dan's on baby leave for, 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 for people who listen all the time. And he's always like, you know, I'm, I'm out of P I'm always this, this optimist. And, and, and so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm happy to be that. <laughs> somebody recently, they sent me a problem. They were having one of my clients and I sent them this like really warm, optimistic outlook. And they were like, 
I love that, but that's so not you. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, hey, like I, I can't just be like the world's the sky is falling guy every day, you know. But there's a time and a place for being optimistic, and when it's justified, like yeah. So I love. I knew when I was going to talk to you today, I'd be like smiling and laughing and warm fuzzy and you know. Yeah, but we. I think we also touched on some really important points oh, about. Yeah like being willing to look at the things that aren't warm and fuzzy, because I mean, to me anyway, I can't be this optimistic if I weren't so in touch with the sides of myself and my experiences that, that weren't so warm and fuzzy and, and optimistic. And, and like you said, I think you said it at some point here where understanding all of that, being realistic and pragmatic allows me to be more optimistic than, than maybe others, because I've probably gone through every, every scenario in my mind and I'm ready for it, you know, that are at least to the, to the point where I also trust myself enough to know that like I can handle it and I'm supported and I have people in my life. And so there's all of this. And just like very last thing is that from an investment perspective, should I lose everything again? Cause it's happened to me. I will come back stronger and just like I did before, but that doesn't mean I'm going to take undue risk. I'm not going to go ask for it, but mm -hmm. if it happens, I'm going to be okay. And that's, it's a, there's a link in the article to a previous post that was in there called you are going to suffer. So you might as well be grateful. Mm -hmm. And it's all, it's all about that. Like, you know, where you've been and you're, you're still kicking and you're doing better yeah. than you were before everything fell apart. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Fall, fall, like falls apart. I get to put, put it back together from a more empowered and wiser perspective. So, you know, it's not like I'm looking forward to the next big thing that, <laughs> that happens to me, but I'm, I'm also not, um, I'm also not so naive to think that, that there won't be challenges continuously challenges, but I'm in the habit of reframing them and trying to find the opportunity in the challenge and like the lesson in the challenge. And like, what am I supposed to learn from this and how am I supposed to grow and improve it? And a lot of times that challenge that I've gone through, isn't for me. It's actually for someone else. Cause by the time I've gone through it, I find myself so many times telling a story or explaining something that, Oh, this is what I learned. This is what happened to me. And it's for other people, even though I'm the one that went through it. Love it. You know, that's awesome. Thank you so yeah. much for having me. This has been fun. I think it's probably been like four years since I was on one of your podcasts. <laughs> yeah, it was a definitely a different podcast, but yeah, thank you so much. Um, always so good to see you. Thanks for tuning in to Real Wealth, Real Health. We hope that you've enjoyed today's episode and found it both informative and insightful. We welcome all your questions and your feedback about today's episode. And especially, we welcome your questions about specific topics that you would like us to cover. So shoot us an email at podcast at and if you have a moment, we really appreciate ratings and reviews as it helps us grow our online community and our interactions with you. And we'll also be linking to a number of relevant articles on topics that we might have touched on during our conversations. Some of them are broad, some of them are technical, but we're always aiming to provide information that helps you better understand the mechanics of building this healthy financial foundation, especially if you're looking to do this with real estate. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.